What's up, fellas? Coming up on halfway through the season. Uh, wishing you guys, hoping you guys have a, have had a great first of your season uh, and then going to finish it up on on uh, an even better note, obviously. So um, hopefully season's going well for you guys. We hope that you guys are enjoying what we continue to bring you guys. Um, hopefully give you a little bit of something to listen to on your drive-ins, uh, during your workouts, or while you guys are breaking down film. Uh, if you need anything from us, Go check us out at runthepower.com. You can send us an email at coach at runthepower.com. Find us on Twitter. Uh, you can find videos on our website and then obviously all of our podcasts. But if you guys need us, please reach out to us. Um, and hopefully you guys have a great ending to your season. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our longtime sponsor, Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to high schools around the country. Team Builder is again offering coaches a free in-season football strength program. As you may recall, the New England Patriots squat up to 90% of their one-rep max deep into the playoffs. If your end-season strength conditioning philosophy is simply to just maintain, then you aren't doing it completely correct. You can get the program once you start a 14-day trial with Team Builder. Just reach out and tell them that you heard from Rowdy and the RTP podcast, or use the code RTP when you sign up for your free trial at teambuilder.com. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Just Play. The team at Just Play hooked us up with their product, uh, and it's been a game changer this season. We obviously love the playbook tools that allow us to create our favorite blocking schemes. As you guys know, power, counter, inside zone, a little bit of pin and pull, uh, and the formations so we can save time and be more productive. It's really cool. You can just make a copy of certain um, formations, certain defensive fronts. So instead of having to completely draw out the defensive front every time, it gets it really close to uh, you know whatever your main fronts that you see. We we did uh, an over and under, and then an odd look. So uh, it's saved us a bunch of time. Just play as a limited time offer for RTP listeners only. Get my Just Play Pro for $120, which is $60 off the normal list price. Uh, this offer has been extended and will end soon. Uh, get the deal at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. The best playbook tool on the market at JustPlaySolutions.com slash RTP. Don't wait. Go do it today. And last but not least, this episode of the podcast is brought to you by Huddle. It's not too late for Huddle Assist to impact your season today. Whether you have a few losses on your record or you're racking up the W's already, you can always use more advanced data. Huddle Assist breakdowns are done by professional analysts and include more than a dozen columns of data you need to start your analysis, plus interactive drive charts and Tennessee reports. They'll give you the edge you need to get a drop on your next opponent. Even though your games are already underway, you can still take advantage of the unlimited breakdown packages for the rest of your season. Starting at just $300, there are multiple options for game footage, scout footage, and turnaround times. Just have a few games you need data on, you can pay as you go for just $35 per video. See all the details on how it works, plus pricing, and what's included at huddle.com slash RTP assist. You don't want to wait until next season to gain the competitive advent, the competitive edge on your opponents. Visit huddle.com slash RTP assist to sign up today and finish your year strong. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Jamie Sumner. Coach Sumner is a former offensive lineman at the Ohio State University and offensive line coach at the junior college level. Listen as we talk with Coach Sumner about his fascinating football journey from Wichita, Kansas to Coffeyville, CC, and ultimately the Ohio State to play with the likes of Orlando Pace. He also talks about the joys of coaching JUCO football and helping some young men who definitely needed some guidance in their lives. You can follow Coach Sumner on Twitter at Jamie Sumner. Hope you guys enjoy. Well, you guys coach, ready for the season? Oh yeah, man! I I can't wait. Uh, it's uh, man, it, and that's the unfortunate part I think about high school football is that, that off season is just so incredibly long. Yes, uh, you know, because yeah. at least in football, in college football, I mean, as you know, spring ball hits fairly quickly. You know, you get a good session of workouts in, then you go to spring ball, then you get uh, another session of of weights. But man, sure. in, in high school, it's just it's all workouts the whole yeah. the whole which is great for the kids and it's good and man football football i miss football 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Iowa, it's a little bit better just because we can practice all summer. So, I mean, not with pads or anything, at least we can, we can break it up a little bit because we get two days a week where we can actually go out on the field and, and do some things. So a little bit different Oklahoma in that respect. I'll tell you what, when I posted that Twitter message and it kind of asked what, what guys can do, it just floored me. Some of the, it, the dead period question kind of floored me some of the answers there. And then some of the responses on what guys can and can't do just, I, I had no, I was just kind of dumb to it. I mean, honestly, but some of that stuff, I mean, yeah, that'd be awesome to be able to get the ball out even two days a week and, and work with guys would be, that'd be amazing. Especially now in, in, in Oklahoma with the uh, zero week. I mean, we're getting one week and then we get another week with a scrimmage and then it's our first game of the year. I mean, yeah. and, it's, and, and our first four practices are non-padded. So it's, it, uh, it, it comes quick anymore. Yeah, yeah, you got to get after it. There's no doubt about that. Well, good deal. Well, let's go ahead and get it rolling, man. So how we always okay. start this is is we go ahead and we're going to let you uh, introduce yourself and, and your football journey, really. Kind of give us uh, – give everyone listening your football journey from playing days uh, into when, you know, coaching and, and kind of how that brought you to where you are now. Sure. So I uh, grew up in Wichita, Kansas. And, um, you know, I played Little League football, youth football, like most guys do. Um, but I got to high school, and I it was funny because I I had no plans of playing football, and that sounds I know that probably sounds crazy, but I I honestly I wanted to play basketball and didn't even think about football. And so the first day of high school, the the varsity coach pulled me aside and he said, "Hey, I've heard about you. You know, heard your name before." And I said, "Yes, sir." And he said, "Are you going to play football?" And I said, "No, I'm not." And he said, and I'd already missed. I mean, I'd missed three days back then. We used to have three days and all that stuff. I'd missed all that stuff. I was, I mean. It was probably two weeks before the first game. And so he said, well, I'll tell you what. He said, if you play play freshman football this year, he said, you'll start varsity next year. And so, you know, I, he, either, either he, was, he was a great salesman or I was just that gullible as a 15-year-old kid. But um, I went out and played football as a freshman. And sure enough, the you know, sophomore year rolls around. And um, it was a little bit like how it is here in Oklahoma now. Uh, back then in Kansas, as, you know, as a sophomore, they just – we didn't – you didn't see that as a student, see starters as sophomores very often. And so um, sophomore year started and sure enough, I was a starter. And so um, had a rough year, you know, that way, but it kind of, that put the hooks in. I mean, that put, I, I was back in love with football again and um, the basketball dream. I still played basketball, but it was kind of went to the back burner. Uh, junior year, had a great junior year. Um, had it, we were on a good team, a great upper class that year and um, had a good record and had a good season. And so, Senior year started with a bunch of expectations, um, really high expectations. I was supposed to be a Division One guy, um, you know, supposed to be a scholarship uh, guy. And man, the season started. We were we went from having my junior year we had like twenty three seniors to having there was four of us when I was a senior. So very young team. We went one and eight. Um, you know, the Division One offers disappear. Uh, the D two offers are kind of. Um, they're you know, they're offering pennies on the dollar. And so um, the ver first big decision I ever made was deciding to go to junior college. And I ended up picking uh, Coffeyville Community College. Uh, went there. And it was funny because the guy that recruited me was a defensive line coach. He had Wichita, the Wichita area. And so I had always – that's what I was being recruited for. That's mainly – that was – I was defensive end, defensive tackle was mainly what the what the big boys were recruiting me for. And so – this junior college guy comes and I'm, I'm trying to deal with the disappointment of not, you know, not being a division one guy and all these things. And so second, the second shot to my ego was he said, uh, he said, Hey, look, you know, we're going to recruit you as an offensive lineman. And I was just like, well, so if I came to, if I sign there and I come there, can I even try defense? And he said, well, yeah, you can. He said, but he said, we feel like you're a division one offensive lineman with some work. He said, you'll just be a backup on defense. Well, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want to sit the bench. So <laughs> yeah. um, I made right. the switch and that was kind of my first, I mean, honestly, uh, up until that point, which is, it's crazy to look back now because I, I'm, I'm love the position, uh, you know, offensive line, just the whole culture, the brotherhood, everything that that's entailed as far as being an offensive lineman. So it's funny to me to look back because I was the typical kid that, you know, I thought I was a defensive lineman and I thought the offensive linemen were fat guys. You know, I thought well, those guys are, they're not as athletic as me. They're not as talented as me, all these things. So, had to make that switch, but um, the best thing I could have ever done. So I, I went to Coffeyville as a freshman, um, started, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think we played 11 games, started all 11 games, 
uh, played for a guy that it was funny because the, the guy I signed, the reason I signed there was um, a guy named Scott Grindy was the offensive line coach. He had produced a bunch of division one guys. Um, and so that was the reason I signed there. So as I, I also figured out real quick about the business of college football is I signed and about a month later, he took a job uh, at a division one school. So the guy <laughs> that I, exactly right. <laughs> yeah. The guy, you know, the guy that I signed with after, yeah, after signing day, he, he decides to go on in. And it's funny. I laughed about it with him later, but, um, so coach Grindy left. And so I, my freshman year, it was funny. I played for a guy that offensive line wasn't his specialty. And so as you guys know, it's a very technical position. It's a very, it probably gets coached as much as any position besides a quarterback on a football field. And so, um, I played for a guy that he was, he was a great motivator and he, he did a really good job of getting the room excited and, and wanting to play for him. But, you know, if we said, Hey coach, do we step with our right foot or left foot? You know, it was kind of like, we'll just get in front of them. I mean, it was just the, the level of coaching was a little bit be, you know, behind what it should have been for a college coach. So, um, he lasted my freshman year. And like I said, I had a good freshman year, I started every game and was pretty successful, but I was still pretty undersized. Didn't, you know, hadn't been in the weight room long enough, didn't, you know, just didn't work hard enough. And so um, I end up, uh, I gained about 25, 30 pounds in the offseason. Um, our head coach actually took over the offensive line. Our, our, the, the guy I was just telling you about, he left, uh, took another job. And so our head coach took over the offensive line. Well, Skip Foster is his name, and he, um, offensive line was his specialty. And he was also the head coach, so you guys know what that's like. Um, but yeah. he was awesome. I mean, he was – he was a he was very old school. You know, you're going to be physical. You're going to be a student of the game. Uh, you're going to show up. You're going to work at practice. I mean, you know, he knew. You know, when we asked him, "Hey, coach, we step with our left foot or our right foot?" You know, he he told us, "Hey, you're going to step with the right foot. You need to get your hand on." You know, I mean, he was very very technical, um, and that's really the reason that I got all the opportunities that I did out of Coffeeville. So, uh, sophomore season, I again started all you know started that year and, and had an amazing year. Was a junior college all American. Um, at the end of that season, I probably had 45 or 50 um, Division One offers. So I went from, you know, just in two years, I went from one and eight, no offers, you know, to about 45, like I said, probably 45 or 48 Division One offers in two years. And, and I was, like I said, I was a completely different player. Uh, I found the weight room. I figured out how to get in there and work and, and uh, put some weight on and, and, and get more powerful and all that stuff. But um, so anyway, so at Coffeeville, uh, I ended up signing at Ohio State, uh, and it was, you know, to be honest with you, that was something that was new for them. They they had not recruited junior college players in a long time. It just wasn't, you know, they didn't need to, and so they didn't. Um, they didn't. The only reason they did was because they the year before I got there, they lost four four seniors that graduated, and so I came in as a you know to replace one of those guys. The only guy returning was Corey Stringer. Uh, if you guys are familiar, I'm sure with that name played for the Minnesota Vikings, um, passed away in 2001 of heat stroke. He's the reason that we have a lot of the, the heat stroke rules now. Um, but he was the only returner. And so um, mm. came in and, um, it, you know, it was it, – it's funny how my career – I listened to to Nate Leonard when he was on on the podcast. He said how he snuck into Division One football. I kind of feel like – I mean, I can relate to that completely because I got to Ohio State. They recruited me as a left tackle. Um, and brought me in, and so spring starts, and I transferred in in January. Spring ball starts, and they have me at left tackle. And so um, we go probably two days, and our center gets hurt. And so we started shuffling the line. And I ended up at left guard, which was, you know, it was foreign to me. It wasn't why I was there. I was upset. I was mad. I didn't want to play left guard. I came here to play tackle. And so, um, and actually when I signed, I thought what they would do was, Corey Stringer at that point had been a two-time All-American already. I thought they'd flip him over to the left side and put me at, at right tackle because that's what I played in junior college. So, um, but anyway, so I ended up at left guard, um, finished the spring that way, and I was the starter. And so fall rolls around, and um, if you guys, I know you guys are familiar with this name, but Orlando Pace shows up on campus. <laughs> <He's pretty good. laughs> yeah, he, he, wasn't, he wasn't bad. Um, but it, it's, just, it's one of those things where it's funny because I just think about, you know, without that injury, I mean, I, you know, I would love to sit here and, and, and be arrogant and say, oh, of course I'd have been on the field. I don't know if I would have or I wouldn't have, but I know that it sure helped moving in a spot and letting, letting Orlando come in. You know, when he came in, it just – from day one, it was amazing. And, and so um, 
played my first year. And it was, it's funny because so the fall comes and, and we start fall camp and we're about – we were probably six days in, seven days into fall camp, and I broke two bones in my back. And so I set out, I think, it's either nine or ten days. I don't practice. One, I mean, I don't practice. I'm, they had me off my feet. I'm either at my, I'm either back in my dorm room or I'm laying on a training table. And I figured, I mean, I'll just be honest. I, I figured, well, I'm gonna get redshirted. You know, this is, I'm hurt. They, we were getting, we played in the, we played in the uh, Pigskin Classic uh, against Fresno State. That was our first game that year. And I just thought, hey, man, I'll, you know, I'll get redshirted. I'll just play next year. That's probably what they're gonna do with me because I've missed so much time. Uh, right before, I mean, it was about eight days before the before the game. I, I'm cleared to practice again. I go out to practice. I'm kind of standing in the back with the twos, and they start screaming for me. The starter, you know, the, the first group is on the field, and they start screaming for me. And I'm I'm kind of looking around like, well, what did you know? Did I do something wrong, or what am I doing wrong? And so, but it, that, it and that's exactly right. As soon as you no, start yeah. hearing the name, you're freaking out. Yeah, no, absolutely. I'm you know I'm because I just in my mind I'm thinking there's no way that I'm going to play after missing this many days. Um, I just, I, I, that's just where I was at. And so they're screaming my name. So I, I end up getting in the, and I'm kind of, I'm sure my face was just in, I was in shock. And so I'm kind of looking around the huddle and they're like, you know, like, you know how it is with, especially with offensive linemen. They're like, Hey, welcome back. The hurt guy. And they're, you know, kind of giving me a hard time. And so, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. So we, uh, so that's, and so I, I make the first game. I start the first game. Now, you know, that was, that's one of those films that I hope nobody ever sees because it was a brutal, that first game was brutal. Um, <laughs> at the same time, I kind of remember thinking like, man, if I can show up after sitting out this many days of fall camp and still make it through a game at this level, I'll probably going to be okay. You know, I'll probably make it. Um, and, it and that's, that was my first year. I mean, my first year was, was pretty up and down, uh, but did start all 13 games. Um, I had a blast. I mean, the guys I played with, Joey Galloway, you know, guys that, you know, names that guys will know, Joey Galloway, obviously Eddie George, Corey Stringer, Orlando. I mean, there's just a ton of guys on that team um, that were just, you know, that you saw play on Sundays and, and that kind of thing. But just an amazing year. It taught me a lot. I mean, just like I said, it was very up and down for me. Um, off season comes around, have a healthy off season. Senior year comes around. We had an amazing team that year. Um, started out the season 11-0. Um, and then we went to Michigan and, and uh, got upset. We were number two in the country and got upset. And um, instead of going to the Rose Bowl, we ended up going to the Citrus Bowl. Uh, but the cool thing about that, looking back on it now, was I played against Peyton. My last college game, I played against Peyton Manning. So that was a pretty neat, you know, just looking at how his career ended up. It was kind of cool to see him as a young – he was just a sophomore, I think, at the time. But um, anyway, so that's, you know, from a playing standpoint, that, that year kind of – wrapped up. So my college career was done. Um, started working out for the pros, signed with an agent. Um, and I don't get drafted. I'm supposed to get drafted. I'm flying around the teams. I don't get drafted. Then my agent, I got bad advice from agents. So I don't sign anywhere my first year. So I sit out a season. Well, then I switched agents. And the next thing you know, I'm, I'm back on the block for the NFL. I signed with the giants, um, had, was a free agent with them. Um, was fortunate enough that I, they brought me up in the off season, so I went through a whole off season instead of you know going to NFL Europe or things like that. Um, they kept me up there. I went to NFL Europe to the training camp. They used to do it in Atlanta, and so I got to go to that. And then um, ended up in New York. They were like, "Look, you know, they want to play you at center. We're not going to play you at center, so you can just come up here and go through our off season." So I spent the whole off season um, in New York, which was awesome because I got to go to OTAs, you know, obviously the mini camps, those kinds of things. Um, and then we opened camp in the, in the summer and, you know, it was a long shot for me to make it, but um, I'm running with the twos, rotating in with the ones a little bit, and then I get hurt. And that was that for New York. And it, I made a decision. I, you know, they caught, I had an ankle injuries where a guy rolled me up. We were in shells. Um, the guy rolled me up and it was, it took a long, it probably took two and a half, three months for my ankle to heal. And so I kind of made a decision. Do I go back to school and finish my degree or, you know, do I want my last memory of football to be getting carted off? And I just made a decision. I'm not going to do that. Whatever happens from this point forward is whatever happens, but I just don't want my last memory to be being carted off. And so I got healthy. I actually um, signed with the Rams, 
they couldn't get on the salary cap. And so they cut me. And so at that point, I was like, you know what, this, this deal isn't, I'm not very good at this anymore. <laughs> I, was, I used to be pretty good at this, but I'm not very good at it anymore. Different ball game. Uh, yeah. Just, and you know, obviously the injury and things like that, it's just a lot of that kind of stuff at that level is, is timing as well. And so, um, so I went back to school and finished my degree and, and that was that as far as football goes, but um, it's kind of, I'm laughing because I think back it, like I was saying earlier about, you know, coach Leonard saying he snuck into division one football. I just feel like my career was like, like I was, it's almost like Forrest Gump. It's like that movie where everything big just keeps happening to him. You know, he just keeps finding himself in these amazing spots. And so it's like, for me, that's kind of just, if I could sum it up, I mean, like I said, I played next to, I played next to the, you know, you can make an argument for one of the best college offensive linemen to ever play the game. Um, but that was kind of a fluke deal because somebody got injured. They slid us over. And the next thing you know, I'm playing next to him. Um, you know, my senior year blocked for Eddie George. He wins the Heisman. Um, who would have thought? You know, it's it's <laughs> yeah. it just I mean, it just kind of ha- you know, it's just one of those things where it just can these uh, these big events and these big things keep happening. Um, and it was just you know, I, I want to say you know, I would love to sit here and say, oh, it's because I I work so hard and this and a lot of it was just timing. A lot of it was just putting myself in a good position and those kinds of things. But um, I just look back and I, honestly, I just. It, I have to pinch myself because it just doesn't, when I look at the guys I played with, like I said, the Joey Galloways of the world, you know, the Orlando's, the Corey Stringer's, the Eddie's, those guys, it just, um, I'm just a kid from Wichita and that sounds cliche and corny, but that's, that's really how, how I always saw it. And so to, to look back on it and go, man, that's, you know, these things happened and it all fell into place just like it was supposed to. Yeah. The pro deal, you know, getting hurt sucked and, and it didn't last. My career obviously didn't last as long as what I wished it would have been at that level. But at the same time, there's a ton of guys that would have loved to have even got it that far. So perspective, you know, being older and gaining some perspective has helped uh, quite a bit, but I just look back and I'm just amazed. I, uh, you know, so I wrapped up my playing career, uh, went and got my degree, finished my degree uh, from Ohio state. And then I, I went into the real world. I went into the business world uh, for, golly, I'm trying to remember, six years. And I had the opportunity to go back in 2007. Um, I actually, Lauren Montgomery at Bixby High School called me, and, and I, his dad used to, him and his, his dad and I used to work together. And so uh, I knew Lauren and spent some time with him and used to go watch Jinx. At that time, he was at Jinx. Had them rolling, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, him and him and Dave both. I mean, it was just – it was an amazing – just to see that whole staff. I mean, that whole staff was amazing. But Lauren called me one spring and said, hey, um, you know, Dave's going to be – I don't remember where Dave was. He said, do you want to come down and help me for a couple of weeks down here with, with – when we go – as we go through spring ball? And I was like, sure, you know. So that kind of got my – kind of got me into the coaching deal. Um, and so I spent – like I said, I spent – I don't remember how much time it was. It, it seemed like it was – Know, probably two or three weeks down there helping him every day at practice and, and just being around the game again. And um, at that point I was, you know, I was like, man, this is, I, I need to look, you know, I need to try to go after this a little bit. And so for me living in Owasso, it was almost as far to drive to Jinx as it was to go to Coffeeville to drive uh, North and go, instead of going South to Jinx, I just went North to Coffeeville Community College. They let me come help. Uh, I was, I, I volunteered that whole season in 2007 as an offensive line coach. And that really got my, you know, that kind of, like I said, it just got me going again. And so that I coached that year. Um, one of the guys I coached uh, was a guy named James Carpenter. Uh, ended up at the University of Alabama. Mm-hmm. Ended up being a fir- first-round pick. Um, won a Super Bowl, all kinds of stuff. So it was neat to be around him. I was around a guy uh, that went to University of Houston, Jarvay Dean. So some big-time talent obviously came through there. and helped, I was around those guys again. So it just – it was fun to see the game again. I felt like, you know, I was a little bit older too. I'd been, I'd been in the business world. I'd missed the game. So it, it just really got me excited. So um, the problem was I was, um, we had a coaching change. And so the new coach came in and, and he didn't, he didn't need me. You know, he had his guys, which is what happens at that level. And so I, I didn't, I went back in the professional world for probably five years and I interviewed for a couple things here and there, a couple other jobs, a couple other positions, but, I basically just stayed around the game, worked camps, um, those kinds of things, did some individual stuff, helped my sons. Uh, my oldest son helped his team, youth team, and, and just stayed around the game. And then in 2013, uh, Coffeeville called me. Uh, they had an opening. 
uh, for a you know for offensive line coach, and I was I was just I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, I've been away for five years. <laughs> I've been away for five years, and here it is again at my at my door. And so I went and, and interviewed and got the job, and uh, spent 2013 up there uh, coaching. And just you know, it, it's always fun. There's something about going home again, I guess, to a certain degree, and and being somewhere, giving back to a place that you've been at. To me, that was special. I love Coffeyville, and I love that that place. And so to go and and give back and and you know, recruit and just kind of be in that that mode again was was a blast. The only the only issue I I had was is my youngest son started playing football that year, and so I missed a bunch of the games. And I just remember kind of having an epiphany. I was sitting in the coach's office one night about eleven thirty, and we're game. You know, we had just got done game planning and we're getting ready for a game. And I just thought, why am I why am I missing my son's stuff for mm-hmm. this? You know, I mean, I, I love the kids I had in two thousand thirteen. were amazing kids. Me kids that I would do anything for, but it just kind of hit me like, why am I, why am I doing this um, for them when my own son, you know, I'm missing my own son stuff, and and I know that's part of the sacrifice, but it just kind of hit me, and so I spent that one season there, um, ended up uh, leaving, and I, I haven't been back since to that, you know, to college coaching and like that. Now I've stayed around, I've done individual stuff, I go speak to teams, I travel around. I have buddies that'll, you know, ask me, you know, ask me for stuff or ask me to review their, hey, watch my film, see what you think about stuff. But uh, that was the last year I was actually, you know, with a team coaching uh, ever since. And I've, I've helped coach my son's youth team, um, which is, it, it's been fun. It's been, a, it's a completely different, you know, world going from coaching junior college kids that are 18, 19, 20 years old um, to coaching young kids, 10, 11, tw- 10, 11, 12. But, you know, it, it's, it's like anything. I mean, some of the principles, some of the things, um, I think it helped on some aspects because when I went there, when I went back in 13, I had coached, you know, I'd been coaching my older son's team. And so with young kids, I mean, you have to cover everything and you have to cover stance, you know, I mean, just everything you start with everything. And it's just, you know, you're building, you're building a foundation. And so for me, I think that helped me. Um, now when I came back out of it and I was coaching young kids again, there was some there was some times where it was challenging because you have to kind of dumb down what you know and, and change your perspective and, and remember that, you know, Hey, these kids don't know what the 18, 19, 20 year old kids know, but it's been a blast. It's, you know, on, on another level, I feel like the game, especially at the younger levels, it needs, it needs people that have experience. It needs coaches that, that love the game and that, that understand what it takes to get ahead. And, and I'm not, you know, when I coach these younger kids. I'm, I'm honestly not coaching them for today. I'm coaching them for their whole career. I mean, the stuff I'm teaching them, I'm trying to teach them stuff that they'll take to, you know, if they come play for you at Broken Arrow High School or they come to Owasso High School, that they'll be okay. That they'll, if coach says, hey, you know, this is what you're doing. This is where you need to put your hand. They've already been coached that way. Or this is how you come off the ball. And this is that they've already seen those things, at least been exposed to it. And it's not a complete, you know, they're, they're not completely blind to it. So that's kind of the challenge and the, and the way I look at it now. I would love to be at a higher level, but that's, I mean, that's the reality. That's, that's my reality. I has, I get to spend a bunch of time with my son and, mm-hmm. and we have a ton, ton of, you know, a ton of fun with it. And, and um, so that's been fun, but that's in a nutshell, that's been it. Well, that's, that's, I got a lot of notes to to throw at you uh, after, okay. after listening to that. But um, uh, you know, one of the things uh, that, that I've always liked about getting to coach younger kids, like you've said, it's almost like you've got to dumb it down. And so uh, one of the things that Walls has always talked about, which is so important, uh, is, is kind of boiling things down to what's the most important thing or what do we need to do even at the high school level? What's our progression? Like they can't take their first two steps and why are we worried about where they're punching because their steps aren't going to be right. But it's hard to know that when you're just doing high school and, and kids already know certain things. And so when you talk about really developing a freshman into a senior – uh, some of those things are extremely important. And, and sure. I've learned a lot of that from going and helping at kids camps uh, at my dad, at my dad's high school in Berry Hill uh, is something I always try to do. We always bring kids in and broken arrow and, and, sure. um, and it's something that you're like, Oh, or you say one, you say it one way and the kid can't grasp that. So then you're like, okay, well, how do I, can I say it a different way? Is there uh, another thought process they can go through to make this first step where it needs to be or, or put their hands in a certain spot? And I've seen a, a lot of carryover to, from that to some of my young kids that also can't execute some of those things. Sure. Well, the other thing is too, I think, you know, with, especially with younger kids, I mean, who, who raises their kid to be an offensive lineman? 
you know, when the kid comes home from school with the flyer and says he wants to play football, mom and dad are like, well, yeah, and, and they want little Timmy to run the ball or they want little Timmy to be the quarterback. Or they, so I think with, especially on the offensive line side, when you take a young offensive lineman, part of your first, you know, your first um, challenge or your first thing that you're coaching is you're coaching them out of, hey, look, you know, you're, you're 150 pounds in fifth grade. You're not going to be a quarterback right now. You're going to, this is, this is how you're going to help the team. So I think some of it is just, just developing into helping the kid understand that this is an important part of this team. Like this is a big part of this game is this position. And so um, sometimes it's just changing perceptions just to start, you know, getting the kids to see that. I mean, my, here's the deal. My kids are center and I've got pictures of him when he first started playing, he wanted to be a quarterback. And it's like, no, you're not going to be, you know, that's not your position. <laughs> and so I, 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 yeah, I had to start at home. I mean, I had to, I had to change my own thinking, but, um, but, you know, we had, I mean, even with my own son, we had conversations of, of, Hey, you get to start every play. I'm trusting you enough to snap the ball and start every play. Well, for my son, that was the light kind of came on. That's kind of what it took for him. Now that doesn't work with every kid, you know, cause they're still, well, I want to carry the ball, but for him, that was something that, you know, like I said, I had to even work on my own son with that. Hey, man, you get to start every play. And that turned the light on for him, and now he loves it. But, yeah, in the beginning, I think I love – that's one of the things I love that's happened here at Owasso. There's been a big change um, since Coach Blankenship took over. He is actively involved with the youth. He sees the value in the youth program. He sees that, you know, I mean, that's, the, that's his feeder system. I mean, that's the kids that are going to come through his program. And he's been actively engaged, and that wasn't always the case when I first got to town. And so I love seeing that that's what he's doing. Um, like I said, he's, he's, a, he's very visible and he's very helpful. I mean, there's been times we've sent him, you know, emails and, and he's in the middle of his season. I mean, he's in, you know, you guys know that he's in the middle of, of fighting it out in 6A and he still replies back, send us what we need, that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, the youth, youth program, sometimes it gets a bad rap, but, but when you have support and you have programs, I mean, you look at the most successful programs, the BAs of the world, the Jinxes of the world, the Owassos of the world, Union, their, pro, their youth programs are top-notch, and they're, they're getting a lot of support, and they're getting a lot of help, and there's a lot of good kids coming through. So it's exciting. It's exciting to see. It's funny with my older son, some of the kids that are, that are starting to play now on the, on the high school team are kids that I coach through youth ball, and so it's neat seeing them on Friday nights. That's I didn't think it would be that big a deal, but going and watching them, it's like, man, that, that's pretty cool. I always figured he would be out here at some point. So <laughs> that stuff is pretty neat. So, Yeah, you're exactly yeah. right. Those, those, big, those big schools that, that are around this area, I remember, um, you know, at the time, I never remember really the Broken Arrow coach being out at, at the elementary, although I'm sure he kind of was. But I always remember every time we went over to Jinx, uh, Coach Trimble was out there somewhere. And, and, oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, it was just such a – it was a really cool deal, even though I hated Jinx at the time because I was a <laughs> grown-up Broken Arrow kid. Uh, there was still something about how cool that was that their head coach was out there uh, talking to them or watching them or, or whatever. It was, a, it was a really cool deal as a young kid. No, absolutely. And, and you, you just hit it on the head. I remember the first time when we first got – and I knew, um, I knew obviously, of Coach Trimble and, and, and the program and that stuff. But once my son got to that – my oldest son got to that, that age and started playing – I remember the first time we went to Jinx and, and I saw Coach Trimble out there and I was just in shock. I was like, holy cow, like that's Coach Trimble out here on a Saturday morning at, you know, 9 a.m. or whatever time it was. And he's out here high-fiving the little second grade kids. I just, to me, that was amazing. And like I said, since, since Coach B's been here, that's, that's been an amazing um, transition that he's done. His assistants are the same. Um, and, and all the good programs, that's what you're going to have. I mean, we can, we can substitute any, in any big name program and see right that. so yeah uh you know you you also coach talked a little bit about uh, making that switch from d-line to offensive line which is also a thing that i think uh certain you know so all offensive line coaches in high school struggle with um with maybe not you know maybe a kid can play both ways or, or you don't want to steal them from the defense but is getting a good athletic kid that thinks he's a defensive lineman uh, to really buy into and and want to play offensive line and enjoy it and give it at least a chance to where they do see all the benefits and positives of it. Uh, you have any, I guess, tips or uh, tricks for coaches out there or, or any things that maybe even you use with some of the, the, your younger kids or um, the, even the things that those coaches imparted on you when you made that switch? You know, I, it's, 
for a lot of kids, like I said, I think it's the flash, you know, the sack in the quarter. I mean, sack in the quarterback, that's cool. You know, you get to get up and do a dance and, and you don't see offensive linemen do that stuff. So there's no, you know, the sack is a measurable statistic. So I think that's some of those kinds of things, you know, a tackle, you can make a tackle as a defensive lineman. Um, and that's a statistic. I think some kids get lost in that. Um, for me, it was something as simple as, like I said, I mean, you know, Coach Geeson, at, that, who was the D-line coach at the time, I mean, he hit me with the facts. Hey, man, you're going to be an average defensive lineman in college. You're going to be a great offensive lineman. Or you have the opportunity to be. Um, for me, that's what it was. I, I think, you know, I, the other thing is, as you get older, you know this, Rowdy, that there's such a brotherhood among it. There's no other position group um, where there's such a brotherhood and there's such a strength and there's such a camaraderie and there's a you're working in tandem with somebody and those kinds of things. And so for me, you know, just trying to highlight those kinds of things. Hey, man, this is a team within a team. You know, um, this is you're getting to work with two other guys on, on most plays. Um, I always so, you know, when I was recruiting kids, I always I always told them that they were the smartest group in the room. You know, that they were the smartest group on the team. I, I played to their egos when I was recruiting them. Hey, that's, you know, that, those kinds of things. So, I mean, I think, you know, and each kid's going to be different. I mean, I think, I think the other thing, too, is, is, you know, when we switch kids, we ask kids to switch over. Hey, man, you know, you're, you're a defensive lineman, but you're, you're just kind of average. But, man, you're going to be a great offensive lineman. I think they have to have some form of success early to kind of light that fire. You know, do you give them anything? No, you don't give them anything. You make them already, make them compete, those kind of things. But they need to have a couple early wins, so to speak, I think. That's my opinion, to get them to see, like, man, this isn't as bad as I thought. Um, and, Rowdy, you know this. I mean, and, and Coach Walls, you do too. The, the whole thing of the first time your block springs a guy for 20 yards, man, that's a rush. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, when, as you move up and – the first time your block clears somebody for a touchdown run, mm-hmm. you know, and the crowd and 90,000 people go nuts, man, that's, that's like, I mean, that's an amazing high. That's an amazing feeling. So, um, you know, the other thing is too, is as, as like anything, as time has went on and the offensive linemen are starting to get love, they're starting to get that, that spotlight. They're starting to get some attention. Um, it's probably not as hard nowadays to sell a kid. Right. Ver- versus, yeah, you know, versus, yeah. 30, 35 years ago where it's like, you know, you see, you know, they may show, you know, a couple clips a game. Now you've got guys getting ISO cammed and you got those kinds of things. Um, so, I, you know, I think it's a lot easier to sell now, but that would be kind of the way I would approach it is, hey, you know, if it, it's so cliche, the whole, you know, you went up front, but you do. I mean, if you can't move the ball, you know, it's important. I mean, it's like, a, like I've told my youngest son, you know, hey, you don't get that snap to us and it's low or it's high, you're messing up the timing. I mean, it's important what you do. And so, you know, I think with some kids, they, th- that's enough. There's other kids you're going to have to get creative and uh, heck, I don't know, offer them ice cream sandwiches after practice. If they make good <laughs> blocks or, you know, who knows, but I think there's, I think there's obviously there's, there's a lot more selling points today. There's a lot more visuals that you can show kids um, today versus, you know, when, when I was coming out and, and not wanting to play that position. Now it's the best thing that could ever happen, obviously. Coach, you know, playing at, at Ohio State and, and playing with a bunch of those those freaks that, that you had and obviously me growing up, what, watching you guys play and, and just thinking the world of it, you know, just like, man, there's just so many great athletes and, and watching a guy like Orlando Pace running 60 yards down the field and blocking for guys. You know, what, what were some of the, the things that, you know, maybe some stories about those guys that, you know, maybe it's it's freakish things they could do in the weight room or things they would do at practice, or maybe it's just like, man, all those guys were just down to earth, normal dudes. You know, what, what were some things about those guys that just kind of stuck out in your mind about, you know, making them big time and, and making them, you know, go off and do all those awesome things? I will say this, you know, it's and obviously culture. I mean, that's a, that's a buzzword for everybody now. Um, the culture at Ohio State is, is, you know, the OUs of the world, the Ohio State's, um, those kinds of places, the culture is special. Um, there's an expectation. Um, but guys like, you know, Eddie George, the thing I can tell you about him is, yeah, he won a Heisman Trophy. He earned every piece of that Heisman Trophy. That's a guy that wins every sprint. That's a guy that's early in the weight room, stays late, uh, watches film. Uh, you know, his success is, I mean, I want my son to be like him. Um, he's an amazing leader. He's an amazing teammate. Um, the thing, you know, the story that I can tell you that that's always, I've always used it with young kids is, 
uh, we went to Northwestern my first year um, at Ohio State, and it was uh, it's crazy because Pat Fitzgerald, that's the coach now at Northwestern, he was their middle linebacker, and um, we got in a dogfight up there. But anyway, Eddie rushed for two hundred and it was like two hundred thirty-five yards, two hundred thirty, two hundred thirty-five yards. I mean, he, he 30, thirty-five carries, thirty-eight carries. I mean, it was just a it was one of those grind them out Big Ten cold. You know, uh, we were in Chicago. I mean, just it was a typical Big Ten weather day. Um, Eddie just, like I said, grinded it out. We actually practiced on Sundays and took Mondays off. So we get back um, Sunday, and Eddie wins every sprint. I mean, you know, he he just wasn't going to rest. He wasn't going to let somebody, you know, outwork him. Jeez. Um, so, so that's – I mean, there, there's a good one. Um, you know, I think about guys um, – Orlando – from day one, he was just – he was very professional. Orlando's not a trash talker. Um, he, he's not real vocal on the field. But everything, you know, he's another guy. He's in the front on every sprint. You know, he's he's in the weight room early. He's watching film, um, those kinds of things. Um, you know, when I think about him on the field, it just – we played Iowa my senior year, and they had a, a defensive end that was a little bit undersized. Of course, Orlando's – he's, you know, he's as big as – I mean, he's as big as a building. He's <laughs> yeah. he's a large, yeah. He's a large man, so everybody's undersized. But uh, we played <laughs> Iowa, and um, like the defense Orlando kind of flinched, and the defensive lineman came across. And they blew, you know, they're blowing the whistle and they're stopping the play. And I remember the the defensive end kind of kind of hit Orlando. Well, Orlando, you know, as a, as offensive linemen are prone to do, that's not going to go over well. So Orlando kind of <laughs> kind of punched him, you know, kind of punched him back. And the, the kid kind of hit Orlando, like, on the lower end of the face mask. And there's a pic – I have a picture of me walking towards the kid, and I was laughing because I'm just like, you know what you just did? Like, you were going to get <laughs> – you know, you were going to get, like, embarrassed anyway, but do you know what you just did? Like, you just you just started a fire. And so it's one of those things where the rest of the game was just brutal. I You know, Orlando had Simeon Rice, if you guys remember him. I mean, he was a top yeah. five pick. Um, or yeah, freak. I mean, six five, two sixty, could you know could run all day. I mean, he was just amazing. As a freshman, Orlando shut him down. As a sophomore, he shut him. Down. I mean, there's just things like that where it's like you. I used to go into film with Orlando, and of course, I had to watch myself. But what I was doing was pretty ugly. Um, so I would watch me the first play and get my butt chewing out of the way. And then it, when when coach ran the film back, I mean, I'd watch Orlando because it was just it was. I, it, there's just really no words. It just, it was so amazing to watch. He played at such a high level consistently for the three years he was in school. Just amazing. And so those guys, but those guys, like I said, the, the thing that I'm, that I think is the neatest is just their success, their, their, you know, what they achieved. It's not hard to believe. It's not hard to fathom. Um, it's, that's what they worked for. And that's what, it, it it doesn't surprise me at all. The thing, the other thing I'll throw out real quick is, you know, when Orlando, obviously when I was there and Orlando was there, we would go to one-on-one -on -one pass rush. So I had the guy lined up over me was Luke Fickle, who's at Cincinnati, head coach at Cincinnati now. Hmm. Um, and Luke's one of the toughest. He holds the all-time – I think he still holds the all-time 50 consecutive starts, uh, played in the Rose Bowl uh, with a torn pack. I mean, he's just – he was a big-time wrestler. Luke is, Luke is again, he's – He's the same way. I mean, very successful, very – he's earned everything. Um, but Orlando would go against Mike Vrabel, which, you know, yeah. obviously with New England, three-time Super Bowl champion, now the head coach of the Titans. So, but to watch those two compete, that's the thing that, you know, I wish I had video of it because it was just, you know, there was no – neither one of them was going to give an inch. And so that's the stuff that I think when you're in programs like that, it's guys like that that set the tone that, that you look to and, and – it just used to be, like I said, I wish I had film of that because it was so much fun to be a part of and to watch guys that were so good compete. And that's, you know, that's the other thing. That's why for me, it's, it's, there's times where I have to pinch myself because I'm like, man, how was I, how was I on the same field as guys like that? You know, I mean, it just, it, it, but it's, yeah, it's, those guys were amazing. And, and definitely I, I really, what, what it really sunk in for me was in 2016 when Orlando was inducted in the Hall of Fame, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, he invited us up, and, and I got to go up and be a part of that. And I just remember thinking, like, man, you know, it was – you know, I had stories for the rest of my life just playing next to him for a couple of years. But to be a part of his Hall of Fame ceremony and to see that whole thing, um, 
just, man, it, it was one of those things where it was emotional because it was, man, it was so cool to see that and to see somebody have that kind of success that you knew they had worked for it. So, um, again, it's just that, like I said, it's that Forrest Gump ride. It was, you know, it was just like, how am I at the, how am I at the Pro Football Hall of Fame with one of my teammates? Like, how does that, how does that even happen? I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm just a kid from Wichita. I mean, it just, it still just amazes me. So, but yeah, those guys were a blast. I mean, those guys were, like I said, they, they definitely were fun to be a part of and be around and great people. Coach, I, you know, I, I've played with uh, a few guys that have gone to the NFL and, and you know, even mid-round draft guys. And, and I actually came in right after Jarvey at, at Houston. So uh, okay. I, I did hear, you know, lots of, of how freaky Jarvey was. So, but oh, yeah. um, uh, I've never played with one, let alone, you know, multiple pro bowler type guys. Are, are, those, are those guys that uh, when, when those guys come in, can you tell – I know you talked about how hard they worked, and, and I'm sure, obviously, they did. But those Pro Bowl, NFL Pro Bowl type guys, is it something you can just tell, I mean, almost right away? I mean, you look at them, they do a few things, and you're just like, yeah, that guy is is on a whole different level. Just, I mean, just by watching them a few times. Yeah, I mean, you know, that thing is, too, obviously, you know, a guy like Orlando, I mean, he's blessed with – he's 6'7", 330. I mean, he's, you know, he can run a 4.9, a 4.8, whatever he ran for the pros. <laughs> so I mean, crazy. You know, so, yeah, yeah, so he's, I mean, he's, ble- he's blessed with, with some, obviously, some natural tools. Um, Orlando, I mean, from day one was one of those guys where he just, his presence and his, the way he practiced and those kinds of things, you knew he was going to be special. I think the one that a lot of Ohio State guys will point to is um, I played with Terry Glenn, um, played for the Patriots, played for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he was one that, he was a Columbus kid. He, he walked on. Um, they scholarshiped him after a couple of years. But we lost Joey Galloway after my first year. He turned pro and was a top three, top seven pick. Um, and everybody in Columbus was like, well, you're, you know, you guys are going to be struggling. You're not going to be able to throw the ball. This, I mean, you know, the, the things that they say in the mm-hmm. newspapers. It was newspapers back then. But the things, <laughs> the things, the things that <laughs> – excuse me, the things that they say. But – Terry was a guy that, you know, we were watching him in, in practice and he was, I mean, it was the same thing. It was like, man, there's a guy that nobody knows about. He's getting ready to light it up. And sure enough, you know, the next year he's the Blitnikoff winner and he's a top seven pick and he's, but that was a guy that, you know, wow. he didn't have a lot of, he didn't have a lot of fanfare. He didn't have a lot of press. He didn't have those kinds of things. Um, he was just a guy that came to work and, and got after it. And so there's, you know, there's also those kinds of things. There's the high profile recruits like the Orlando's of the world. And then there's guys like Terry that, you know, kind of slide in and just go to work. And, and they're, you know, they end up turning out the same way. So, um, but yeah, there's, I, I think, you know, Eddie had a deal I, and this isn't, I mean, some people know this story, but Eddie had a thing where he came in from prep school as a freshman at Ohio state, scored three touchdowns, like the third game of the year. And then came home a week later and fumbled the ball two times on the goal line. And we, we got upset by Illinois and he never, he didn't get off the bench for two years, but he didn't play his freshman year, his sophomore year. And then his junior year, they, they gave him a shot and he you know, had 1500 yards. That's what I was talking about earlier. I mean, he just, he just kept working. I mean, he could have transferred. He could have did what the, you know, a lot of the kids do today. They had, have some adversity, have some, have some things like that. And they transfer out. Eddie didn't do that. I mean, Eddie was a guy that he earned every piece of what he got. Um, even after his, you know, his junior year, he starts, rushes for 1500 yards. Um, we were okay as a team. Um, they still brought in, you know, they, like they're going to do anyway. They brought in people to replace them because they just right. sold on. And then, you know, and then he ends up being the Heisman winner. So <laughs> there's some things like that, you know, as well, that it's not, I think it's more about just the, every, obviously, and Rowdy, you know this, and, and Brady, you know this, at that yeah. level, everybody's talented. There's no, there's no, there's no kids that aren't talented. They're all talented, but it's the kids that work and they just keep their head down and continue to just go after it that are the most successful. And that's, I think that's the difference. That's, you can just tell the guys that work and the guys that it means something to. I mean, they, you know, they're going to, they're going to put all the effort and the time in that they need to, and they're going to be successful. Coach, I think, I think the, the other big thing I got from, from you talking, it was the beginning of your story. You kind of talked that um, you almost maybe didn't play football ever again at ninth grade. Uh, and, yeah. and something that, that you brought up was uh, you didn't go to any of the stuff you're supposed to over the summer or the, the three days, like you said, the, the things that normally a coach says, you guys got to do this, this, and this to play football. Uh, and then your coach decided, um, 
hey, if you'll come out and play freshman, basically, well, you're starting as a sophomore. Not, I mean, you had to earn it, but you know what I mean. He, he sure. made almost an exception that said, hey, come out and play. I think that's a, a really interesting uh, dichotomy, and it would just be interesting to kind of hear your thoughts on it. But, uh, you know, as a coach, you want everyone to come in and work. You want them to get their days of practice in and, and all this stuff and put in that sweat equity uh, to be able to play on the football team. And, and I'm sure there's a lot of coaches that would have said, I don't care how big you are. I think you might be. You're supposed <laughs> right. to do. You're supposed to do this, this, and this to play on my football team. Uh, maybe next year, you know. And instead, he he decided, hey, I'm uh, maybe I'm gonna take. Uh, I see where this might go, and and I'm gonna make an exception. So that maybe, what are some of your thoughts on on that as a coach? And and obviously, you want to build, like you said, the the kind of the buzzword of the culture, but also. Um, a ninth grade kid that, that's going to maybe end up being really good for you. You'd also like for, for him to come play football. Sure. I, you know, and here's what's funny. I didn't mention, sir. I went to Wichita North High School um, in Wichita. My, my high school coach was a, was a man named Larry Becker. Uh, very old school, played NAI football. Was, was a, and he was an offensive lineman. That's the other thing. Um, I don't, you know, I'm still – I haven't figured out completely what he was thinking or what he saw. Obviously you can't, it's, you know, it's, it's like anything. You can't coach size. You can't coach speed. I mean, those things, those things are important. Um, so I don't know if, you know, if he was just, he just saw a kid that was six, four walking around 240 pounds, you know, that he needed. Um, that what that definitely wasn't the culture. Once I got in, I mean, once I, once I committed to plan and I started my freshman year, then the off season rolled around. I mean, he worked me like a dog. And that's, that was fine. I mean, I needed it, but it was definitely, I think it was one of those things where he was recruiting me, you know, he was telling me what he needed to tell me to get me into the program and and go from there. You know, personally looking back on it, I, I don't know if that was the best way for me, especially at a young age, because it, in some ways it kind of spoiled me. I mean, I think, I I don't think I probably worked as hard right off the bat because it was like, man, he already told me I'm going to start, you know, I'm not going to, what do I have to work for now? Like I said, just based on the program, I had to work and lift and all that stuff. But I don't think that's the best way. Obviously, nowadays, um, you know, I, I wanted kids that would, show, like I said, that were accountable. I wanted kids that would come every workout. I wanted kids that, um, you know, that were good in the classroom, especially when I was coaching. I mean, those are the kids that, that I know I can count on when it gets tough. And, um, you know, it's tough as a coach. You want numbers. You want kids. You, you don't want to you know, how do you get kids into the program? How do you recruit your hallways? Those kinds of statements uh, and those kinds of things. How do you do that? Um, yeah, I think it's tough. I think there's a lot of things pulling at kids nowadays. It's a different, it's a different time. It's a different era. Um, but you can connect with kids if you want to. That's my opinion. Um, you know, most the successful programs, the BAs of the world, the Owasas, those those guys are working the hallways. They're seeing kids that are athletic. They're seeing, you know, they, you can look at a kid usually and tell if he's athletic or not. So <clears throat> I think I would, you know, I, I'm sure that wouldn't fly nowadays, the way he recruited me out there, um, just because I, I just don't – and it's still, like I said, it still amazes me. But, I, you know, the other thing is I think you have to – one of the reasons I didn't want to play, um, our youth program wasn't very good when I was growing up. And so we didn't have a lot of success. Mm. You know, I, did, I got tired of going out and getting my face mask beat in right. you know, every Saturday morning at nine o'clock. And, and I, that's, I understand that's, that's a weak excuse, but that was just me personally. I just, I was like, man, all I've done since I started playing football was lose. That stinks. That's no fun. You know, I don't want to be a part of that. So I think sometimes too, you're, you're combating that you're combating the, the culture that somebody's came from um, on the youth level. <clears throat> but I think ultimately, you know, like I said, if, if you can show a kid that you care, you can show it. You know, that's the one thing it did tell me was that he did think enough about me to tell me that I could play as a sophomore if I came and, and played. Um, I, to me, that played to my ego. That played to me wanting to go, you know what, you're right. Maybe I can. And so I think there's some of that as well. I mean, you have to play a little bit to, to kids' egos a little bit. And, and, you know, and then you have to live up to your end of it as well. So. I think you make a, you make a good point about it too. I mean, you talked about your size. I mean, there, there's still colleges calling me asking for linemen. So I mean, oh yeah. I mean, yeah. it's 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 a commodity that's that's hard to find, and especially when you know you have younger younger athletes. 
it's like, let's not lose them early on. Let's try to give them a good experience, you know, where maybe in the past, like you'd said, you'd had some bad experiences. I'm, I'm probably going to have a little bit more leeway with a guy who, one, is going to play at a position of need because there's, I can never have too many 6'4", 250-pound sure. kids. And then at sure. the same time, let's, let's try to, to, to flip this kid and, and know that he's going to be, you know, if, if he works, and I know I can work with him and, and have him become a dominant player, it also kind of sets a precedent for maybe some of those other bigger basketball kids to get them out too. So there's kind of the double-edged sword. I, I'm with you, man. But all of a sudden now, yeah, guy's a senior. Yeah, <laughs> hopefully he's been in the weight room. Hopefully he's getting some sweat equity yeah. building that up. No, I, absolutely. D- different story with a, a freshman offensive lineman. Man, I want to get them all out. <laughs> yeah, no question. Well, and you know what's funny? It's, it, the, you know, talking about the size thing. I in 2013 when I was at Coffeeville, we were warming up for a game, and there was a, a there was I won't mention the name of the school, but there was a Big Ten school out that came to the game to recruit a couple of the, the kids that I had, and um, I had I had to make a change at one of the positions on the line, and the kid that I pulled out uh, was the prototypical, you know, tall looks good, um, a little stiff, but I mean, he, he looked the part. The guy that put in there, not as much. Um, wasn't your prototypical offensive lineman, but we became better once the other, the non-prototypical kid got in there. Um, this, this, and this was an offensive line coach. You know, he was asking me about the other kid. Hey, where's that other kid at? And I was like, well, coach, you know, we made a switch. And, and he just point blank asked me, why'd you make the switch? And I told him what had happened. And and it was a it was a strictly attitude deal. Um, there was some issues, you know, with showing up to stuff and, and some of that kind of stuff. But I mean, he was more enamored with the kid that looked the part versus the kid that could play. Now, I, he wasn't going to recruit the kid that I've switched in, but it was just that. Well, man, I, I really want to talk to him. I really want to, you know. And it was just like, man, you're missing the boat. You know, you just. But he was so caught up in the kid looks the part. The kid, and he did. I mean, he he definitely. He looked the part for sure. So, I mean, I think at all levels that goes on a little bit. I, you know, I, I experienced it on both ends. So, No, there's, I, I'd say there's no doubt about it, man. We, we fall into that, to that trap, and, you know, every, everyone does. And I think Har- Coach Harper and I just had the, the conversation, you know, uh, just this weekend, actually, this week when we were talking, you know, if, if, if two guys are, are equal, you know, and one, one of them's bigger than the other one, I'm going to go with the bigger guy just for the simple yeah. fact that, you know, you can move more people in the run game or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, if, if I'm a smaller guy and you're getting the job done better than, than absolutely, but you know, the, the, the bigger guy gets the benefit of the doubt if it's even just because he's sure. big. So. It's, yeah. It's, uh, it, yeah. No, there's no quits. It's, it's the old Nick Saban comment, you know, heavyweights knock out middleweights. I mean, it's the, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it is what it is, I guess, to a certain degree, but yeah, it's, I think, like you said, I think everybody falls into that trap for sure. Yeah, and, and you know, that's what we were talking about. And, and I, I try to be pretty honest with my short kids. And, and uh, I, I've had maybe one kid mad that I told him that he was short. But other than that, the kids have really – that <laughs> they hadn't been so mad. He, I guess he just – he never liked that. He's probably called short his whole life. But I think it's important. I mean, I, I try to be honest. Hey, if you are the same – if you're the exact same kid as – the other offensive line that's bigger, he's going to play. So you, you better find a way to be uh, uh, better than him, and, and you will play. And then uh, I also think there's some things that shorter guys and smaller guys can do that the bigger guys can't. And so I think it's important to say you are small, but okay, but you're better probably, should be better with leverage, different things that, that you can be better at. Maybe you're quicker, uh, and let's play to those strengths, uh, and maybe that'll outweigh even some of the things that the bigger guy has going for him. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. And that's, I think it's what you said too, is, you know, some kids too, they're sensitive or they take it, you know, they've been called short their whole life or are you ever going to grow or all the, you know, all the things that that taller people say to short people. Um, I I think that's a, you know, that's a fair statement. And and like you said, as long as you're not closed minded, you know, there's, you can find, you can find a spot for those shorter kids. Cause like you said, they do do things that are better than the tall kids. They don't, it's just more natural for them to have better leverage. There are certain things like that, I and mean, they still need to work at it. But there are certain things that, yeah, it absolutely comes more natural. So, for sure. Well, Coach, uh, you know, kind of rolling up on an hour now, uh, but I always like to ask, you know, the, the one last question that I ask everybody, but uh, it's when, when you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what's some things that they'd be doing that make you think highly of their offensive line coach? 
you know, I like guys that finish. I like guys that get down the field, um, guys that clean up the pile, those kinds of things. Um, you know, obviously, if you're if you're not jumping off sides, if you're just the the basics, you know, are you hustle? If if you do huddle, which very very few teams huddle anymore, but not a whole lot it, anymore. Yeah, not a, not a whole <laughs> lot. But you know, if you do huddle, how are you coming out of the huddle? What's your body language look like? Um, you know, just I look at as we all do that, especially offensive line people. I look at the little things. You know, like I said, uh, body language, you know, hustle. Are you finishing the plays? Um, are you physical? You know, I, I, here's the thing. I expect there to be some chippiness. I mean, things like that. That's, that's what I'm looking for when I watch guys. I mean, the, the technical stuff, you know, if you're watching it on TV, you're not going to get to see the same kind of, you know, the good film. So you kind of get just the overview. But I'm looking for things like that. Hey, are you guys hustling? You know, if, I'm, if it's live. Obviously, the same thing. Are you guys getting downfield? Are you helping your backup? Are you are you in a position where if a if a skill guy fumbles that you can jump on the ball? You know, you've hustled down the field. Those kinds of things. Um, that's what I'm looking for. I mean, I, and and that's you know nitpicky or whatever you want to call it, but that's just me. I mean, I'm looking for the little things, and and that's the stuff that gets me fired up. So. Coach, you talk about the chippiness, man. What, what was the biggest fight you uh, ever saw, or maybe it was you partaking? <laughs> well, um, in junior college, we used to get after it quite a bit um, just because we had, you know, you had kids with, with chips on their shoulders, kids that were told they weren't good enough to be, you know, well, you're not good enough to be a Division One guy or you don't have the grades or you this or you that. And so there was a lot of kids, you know, and I was one of them. I was one of the world's worst. I had a chip on my shoulder. And so um, there was a few times in, in junior college that we got after it. We had a fight when I was – a short time I was with the Giants, we had a fight. Um, that was amazing. So bad that they sent us in. I mean, they, they, um, and it involved Michael Strahan. That's, you know, you guys know that name. It involved Michael Strahan. And it was the same, but you know, what's funny is what started was uh, we were, and we were just in helmets and jerseys. We were being, they thought we were being too physical. That's what started it. You guys are being too physical. You're being too rough. You know, we're just in helmets and jerseys. And a lot of it at that level is how you practice and, you know, being smart and those kinds of things. And they didn't like the way we were practicing. Um, and so it was, like I said, it was bad enough that they sent us in. It went on for about 10 minutes, 11 minutes. And they just, I mean, they sent us in. They're like, you guys are done. Go in. And so I just remember walking in the locker room and thinking like, I think I'm going to stay in the back in case it gets ugly. You know, like, cause, you know that was, <laughs> yeah, it, was kind of, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, if I go in on this deal and the whole locker room is fighting, I want to get in on the tail end of it when everybody's, when everybody's tired. <laughs> when and tired out. Yeah. Yeah. Then I'll hop in. But it was, you know, that was it. I think too, it was when we got in the locker room, it was over, but yeah, those were a couple of times where it was just, especially the New York when it was just like, man, these are some big, strong men, not boys, men <laughs> fighting. And I don't want no part of it, but, yeah, so that was a couple times. It, you know, and that's it's going to happen. It just it is. All I'm thinking about is when you're telling me that it's like if they if the fight gets bad enough and they send us in, man. If it's a crappy day and it's really hot, let's just start a big fight. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Well, yeah, no, it was, and it was. I want to say, I'm trying to remember. There was there had been a fight the night before. I don't remember. It was the Knicks and somebody else had got into it in basketball. And so that was one of the things that Coach Fossil said. He goes, I don't know what's in the water in this area right now, but, you know, <laughs> take it in, get inside. And so that was kind of the way he ended practice. But I, I always remember that. It was, there was, had been a big fight in the, in the NBA the night before. And so, yeah, they, they weren't having it, though. They sent us in. So I was just glad they didn't find anybody. I didn't want to give up any of the, any of the money I, I was making. So <laughs> That's awesome. I always love to hear the, the good the – good, uh, the good fight stories, those, those things, uh, those always make me happy. Yeah. And, and, you know, what's funny is that we didn't very, I don't ever really remember getting too chippy at Ohio state. I mean, I, I'm sure we did, but just thinking back real quick, I just don't, that's what's really bizarre. I can't really remember a time where we got into, you know, there was little individual tussles or something, but I don't really ever remember it getting stupid because I, I just, I can't remember any time, which is odd because we had some guys that were, I mean, let me tell you something. Like I told you earlier, Luke Fickle and Mike Vrabel and guys like that, you know, they're they're chippy by nature. Orlando <laughs> doesn't, you know, Orlando and Corey don't take any 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 trouble. So, 
Yeah, but I don't ever remember that. It's kind of weird. I have to think back longer on that one. <laughs> Coach, man, it's been a pleasure. It's always good to have you on, man, and, and talk some ball and uh, hope, hopefully get another chance to get down south and, uh, and finally get to, to shake your hand and say what's up and, and shoot yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. No, I look forward to it, definitely. I appreciate you guys having me on. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it will allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.